Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, I wasn't talking about the judge. I was talking about the U.S. attorney, Jay. Uh, Hour number two, being a holdover, U.S. attorney in Delaware. Hour number two, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Have you heard about the secret Chinese police stations in America? Which seems kind of, I don't know, illegal? Are are they allowed to do that? I'm not sure. And and get this. So, all right, there's two components to this story. You got the, the secret police stations, where I'm sure nothing at all bad happens, right? Um, But then you also have connections to some politicians. So this is out of the dailycaller.com piece by Philip Lensicki. An alleged Chinese Communist Party operative arrested by the FBI this week was pictured meeting with several prominent New York politicians at swanky dinners and campaign events, which of course they would, right? You're your commie operatives. Would that be a cooperative? A commie operative, and you are in New York because, I mean, how best to blend in if you're a communist than to be in New York, right? I mean, that's just obvious, right? So you you blend in. And so you are, um, you're in New York, and so, of course, you're going to try to, you know, win friends and influence politicians. That's how you play the game. And then you get some some compromising material, you know, like some politician paying some hookers to whiz on a bed or something, and uh, and then you are on your way. You get them on the payroll now. You've got an asset. You can flip them, right? So this person's name is Lu Zhenwang, whom the FBI arrested Monday for conspiring to act as an agent of the People's Republic of China. And after... They divulged who this person was, who Lou was. All of a sudden now we've got all sorts of images of Lou at all of these different uh, political fundraisers. Now, in the case of Lou and New York, they're Democrats because which it makes sense because it's New York. Look, if the communist Chinese are trying to infiltrate your city, your state, whatever, and they're going to follow sort of the same playbook. Right. They're going to try to ingratiate themselves with elected leaders of either party because they don't care. They look at all of us as the same. We are all capitalists to be defeated. Right. And so they don't care. Democrat, Republican. Now, I think they could probably work with Democrats a little bit more easily because they they speak a little bit of the same language being the commie language and all right. Some of the the appeals to the statism and such and to the government being this helpful friend and partner to everybody versus talking to Republicans who kind of might bristle a little bit at the use of GovCo to do all this stuff. But that being said, they they are going to appear in photographs if they're trying to network their way while, you know, engaging in espionage. So I, I get some of that 
But I also wonder if maybe they target certain jurisdictions and politicians because they are a little bit, you know, more open to, uh, well, let's say they're commie adjacent. Like, for example, Eric Swalwell, who got a little too commie adjacent, if you know what I mean. A little too next. Okay. So one of these in uh, one of the photos is New York City Mayor Eric Adams. There is also Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. And even uh, he att- this guy, Lou Jian Wang, he even attended an apparent fundraiser for New York Democratic Representative Grace Meng. That, according to multiple Chinese language news reports and photographic evidence, Lu Zhen Wang allegedly operated an overseas police station on behalf of the Chinese government. Okay, I don't think the term police station is appropriate to be used here. I really don't. I don't think that it's not a police station. A police station, first off, I thought New York defunded all of their police. I'm first. Second of all. Um, it's not a police station. It is. It's an espionage. It's a spy HQ, right? Like that's what that is. It's a spy house. It's a spy station. It's an outpost. It's the communist government using assets and infrastructure, right, in order to subvert America. That's what it's doing. It's not a police station. They're not out there enforcing New York law. They're trying to enforce Chinese law, maybe. Because that's apparently what they were doing. The FBI charged Liu Zhenwang with obstructing justice by destroying evidence of his communications with a commie party official, the Ministry of Public Security. This just months after the FBI raided the office of America Changle Association. It's not I'm tell I even double checked it. I thought, is that a, is, is that a spelling error? Is that a typo? Changle? C-H-A-N-G-L-E? Like maybe it was America Change Association? But no, those are people that their sole focus is converting uh, like dollar bills into change. That's their thing, the America Change Association. And people ask them, like, how do they make money? And they say, easy, volume, right? They can give you all sorts of permutations. They can, like, a dollar, they can give you 10, uh, 10 dimes, they can give you four quarters. Anyway, not them, different organization. This is the America Changle Association. It is a nonprofit at which Lu Zhan Wang previously served as chairman sometime in fall of 2022. And so uh, as part of the America Changle Association, he was hobnobbing with all of these Democrat politicians in New York. Now, before the raid, America Changle Association allegedly served as an outpost for an overseas Chinese police station linked to an international Chinese police unit known as 110 Overseas. That's the name of 110 Overseas, which is headquartered in China's Fujian province. That according to a report from Safeguard Defenders. That's a human rights group which first revealed the existence of Beijing's global police network in September. In fact, Lu Zhen Wang and the mayor of New York City now, Eric Adams, met as recently as March 18th, like a month ago. <laughs> yeah, at an event celebrating the 81st anniversary of the Fujian Hometown Association, which I just mentioned, the Fujian province, which is where the secret police is headquartered, or the Chinese, is it secret police? It's just a no, Chinese police unit known as 110 Overseas. 
That's where they're headquartered, in the Fujian province. So they just did this big 81st anniversary of the Fujian Hometown Association, which is weird, because you would think the Hometown Association would be like in Fujian province, but it's not. It's apparently in New York, I guess. But whatever. This meeting occurred several months after it was widely reported that the FBI had raided the American Changle Association and the overseas police station closed down. So even after these connections were known, the mayor of New York City still went and met with Lu Wang. To date, the Daily Caller News Foundation has not found evidence of uh, Lu Wang attending events with prominent Republican lawmakers. Uh, there's another uh, another name, Lu Zhanchun, uh, who was also associated with this uh, operation, uh, the chairman of the America Changle Association. Uh, we have no uh, information or no evidence that he has uh, met with prominent lawmaker, uh, Republican lawmakers either. But once again, this is New York. And so finding a Republican lawmaker in New York like, is very, very, would probably be very rare outside of Staten Island, right? Yeah, I mean, and even if you could, I mean, just per capita, there just aren't a lot of them. I think they even still do closed primaries up there. Um, speaking of commies, Joe Biden is going, no, I'm kidding. I'm just, I kid the president. I kid the president. All right. Uh, but uh, no, but speaking of people that are uh, beholden to the Chinese, sorry, Joe Biden is, Joe Biden looking to uh, to raise taxes on the middle class despite pledges that he would not do so. Do you remember that? Remember, he came out, he made all those comments. He'd be like, <laughs> and people were like, yes, yes, we love it. Chocolate, chocolate chip. But no, he's uh, he has promised repeatedly that he would not raise any taxes on middle-class Americans. It was all going to hit the rich. Well, richer than him and his son, Hunter Biden. The rich people were going to be paying, quote, their fair share, and their fair share is more. I heard this yesterday, driving home after my show, Brett Winterbull was talking about this story at the Washington Times. It is rare that I I get angry at a news story. (laughs) But Pete, you do it so well all the time. I know it's just, I'm originally from New York. I can't, it just, I sound like that all the time. I also have some Russian heritage. And if you saw the documentary, The Simpsons, where Lisa gets lost in Russia town, the old Russian quarter, like, even when Russians talk normally to each other, just saying nice things, it sounds like they're angry at each other. I, I don't know. This is my my birthright. But this story made me mad. And I've already bought a house. This story made me mad. I will tell you what it is in a moment. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. All right, so I heard this song, uh, this uh, story yesterday, not this song. I heard this story yesterday driving home. I'm in the car. I'm listening to Brett Wernable 
talk about this story out of the Washington Times, and it it has been a long time since a story has made me angry, like mad. Not like punch the dashboard angry, but, you know, fist shaking in the air angry, like old man yells at clouds angry. And um, it's a tax on the middle class. That's what this is. For all of their rhetoric and promises about no taxes on you know anybody who's not rich, and rich is anybody that makes more than Joe Biden, which is a lot. But anyway, home buyers, if you have a good credit score, so if you like like me, I had bad credit. I had bad credit because I spent recklessly. I when I was in college, like back in those days, like right after they invented the credit card. I'm just kidding. That's- in those days, like the, the credit cards would set up on campus. Credit card companies would set up on campus. I don't know if they still do this. And they would, I mean, I got a card. I don't even think I applied for it. <laughs> I just got one in the mail one day. And I had, uh, I, had de- I had a good, quote unquote, a good credit history at first because I had a, uh, when I went away to school, I went 800 miles away to Winthrop University here in the Charlotte area. And Dad said, I'm going to put you on, I'm going to get a card, a, a credit card connected with you to, to my account. So this way, if there are any emergencies that arise, you'll have access to an emergency you know, line of funding, like your car breaks down or something. You can get a tow. Well, you know, I looked at that. I mean, my definition of emergency might have been a little bit more uh, expansive. Right. And so I would then uh, I would take some cash from friends and I would pay for dinner with the credit card. And so I used it as like an ATM. And part of the problem here was when I first went to college, you know, dad, who had my parents had not been to college. And so they were like, you're you know, we don't want you to work in college. Your focus needs to be on your studies. And I did well in school. And so I didn't really need to focus that much on the studies until later. And then I didn't. Anyway, point is, uh, I. Uh, I, I was focused on a lot of other things and going out to dinner and having food and uh, getting some alcohol and that sort of stuff is what I was focused on. And I ran up a lot of debt. But I also got and I ran up the debt because I also got uh, at first good credit. So then I started getting credit card offers. They would approve me and then I would spend it. Because I didn't want dad to get these bills. So now I'm spending on my own credit cards. And eventually I went and got a job. <laughs> but I still couldn't pay it all back. And by the time I you know, I graduated uh, college, I was in debt like 15K. And this was uh, 97, 1997. That was, I mean, I when I got out of college, I took a job working at the public radio station. I, I was an intern. And then it, I, I worked in their membership department. And I think they paid me 25K to start. And I was mailing people coffee mugs. And then I got a, um, I started doing part-time work at the station in Rock Hill. And eventually couldn't do both. And was assured, totally, that I was going to get a full-time job any minute at the Rock Hill station. So I left the NPR affiliate. And then months go by. I'm not hired full-time, so then I go to work in a restaurant, and at this point, I'm starting to amass even more debts. And when I finally got the full-time gig, they paid me $12,000 a year. I owed more 
than I earned in a year. And this would have been 98, 1998. 12K a year. And I owed about 15K. And uh, I got myself out of it. It took a couple years. But I dug my way out of the hole. You just keep digging. That's the thing about holes. You just keep digging, I've heard. That's the... <laughs> no. But this... So so what is my reward from, from this administration? I'll tell you in a minute. Congrats to James from Charlotte. He's the winner of the pair of tickets. We'll see you on Wednesday uh, at uh, Heist Brewery, which apparently was according to... Uh, hang on, I just saw this tweet from Jennifer... He said, uh, the Heist Brewery location is being held at a uh, what used to be my father's machine shop. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, that's the new brewery. It's like every old, uh, uh, well, first it was pizza places, right? Like these old repair shops and stuff that got turned into pizza joints first, and, then, and, and now they're breweries. So there you go. Uh, so it's a Heist Brewery next Wednesday. Hope to see you there. James won the pair of tickets. Go to WBT.com, get details, and buy your own tickets. Um, all right, so... I heard this story yesterday on Brett Winterbull's show. It angered me so much. Um, and I feel like more people need to know about it because if you're thinking about buying a home or you are thinking about doing a refi, you're screwed. Unless you get this done within 10 days, you're screwed. But it's only $40 a month, Pete. Just in time for the spring home buying season. That's right. Home buyers with good credit scores will soon encounter a costly surprise. A new federal rule. Because, you know, we don't pass laws anymore. We just let the bureaucrats do rules because that's what democracy looks like, I am told. Um, this new federal rule is going to force them to pay higher mortgage rates and fees. So you have good credit, and now we're going to penalize you for that. So I worked, I mentioned. I worked to get out from under my debt, paid back my college loans. It's another example of this same sort of mentality, right? Can't someone else do it? This is the campaign that Homer Simpson ran on in that documentary, The Simpsons, where he became the trash, the supervisor of trash collection. And his whole motto was, can't someone else do it? And the answer was, no. No. They ended up moving the entire city because nobody figured out how to Take out the trash correctly. They he made all these promises. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is that the home buyers who spent years getting good credit, who spent years saving their money, living in you know substandard conditions, scrimping and saving so they can have a down payment. Yeah, they're getting you on both ends of this. So if you have the good credit on the front side and then you also have a down payment on the back end, they're gonna they're gonna doubly nail you. They're gonna charge you more money. This is from the federal government. They're going to tell the mortgage lenders to charge you with good credit, you with a big down payment. They're going to charge you more money because people who have bad credit and don't have a down payment, it's not fair that they can't buy a house the same price as yours. So they're going to charge you more money to pay for the other person who hasn't made those sacrifices for equity, for affordable housing, don't you see? This is straight-up subsidy, right? 
people with riskier credit ratings who are trying to buy a home and they're going to have to pay more because, you know, riskier credit rating, which that's the reason why you pay more. Like I am, I, I have to believe that the people who make these decisions are banking on the complete dumbassery of the American people. That is the only explanation for this. How would you go in and pitch this thing at a meeting of supposedly, I am to assume, intelligent people, right? You're going to sit around a a table and say, hey, I got an idea. How's about we charge extra money for the people with the good credit and the people who have the down payments? We charge them more money every month to the tune of like 40 bucks a month. So almost $500 a year for everybody that buys a house now. In going forward, 500 bucks a year per person that buys a home. And then we're going to take that money and we're going to subsidize people who can't afford their homes, can't afford their loans, but they're because they're riskier. And, you know, obviously, a lot of those people will be able to make their payments. And maybe this is the hand up that they needed or the handout that they needed. And they'll be good, stable homeowners. But here's the thing. There's risk attached to this. And so if you're sitting in that meeting making the pitch saying we're going to charge a whole bunch of people an extra bunch of money in order to subsidize this riskier behavior, you're going to get more of it. And the reason why you charge more for the riskier client is because it's riskier, is because they're probably more likely than not going to default. And banks don't want to own the properties. The mortgage lenders are not landlords. They're not interested in that. That's why they sell the foreclosures off and you can get a good deal on the foreclosure. Like, why do you think that is? They don't want to be in the property management game. And so then what happens? So now you not only are taxing people extra on a $400,000 home, this is where it's going to kick in, basically. Mortgage industry specialists say that if you have a credit score of 680 or higher and a home loan of 400K, which, like, that's... I mean, the home prices in Charlotte area, my God, like that's like a regular house now. So you take out a loan for 400K, and if you put a down payment down of 40K, you save up, uh, well, it would be 60 because it's 15%. You save up $60,000 for a down payment, you are going to get nailed with the biggest fees. It penalizes the people who work the hardest. That's That's what they're doing. It's, it's outrageous. I don't ever say this because life is unfair, but it's unfair. This is, this is unfair. You want, a, you want a definition of unfair? This is it. It's this assumption that everybody who saves their money and everybody uh, for a down payment and everybody uh, who cleans up their credit or has a good credit score over 680, that, that these people have son, somehow won life's lottery, that they're privileged or something. And what happens, by the way, when you subsidize the risk, you get more of it. And then what happens? You have you have foreclosures. okay? and then what happens? Corporate landlords, people, right? You think it's a problem now? Wait until you have a whole bunch of homes that are foreclosing right now. It's getting expensive, right? Right now, homes are really expensive, even though the interest rates got jacked up. So you're starting to see sort of a dialing back because there, it, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? And for the bottom line, a lot of these corporate ownership companies, they're like, man, not really. 
if these house prices are getting too high. I mean, they were really driving a lot of it, but, you know, whatever. They're now kind of dialing it back a little. But if you start seeing a whole bunch of these foreclosures coming down the pike, they're going to step in. They're going to start buying up even more properties. So we will own nothing and we will be happy. All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at CarolinaReadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? The administration is just a menace at this point. <laughs> Joe Biden to hike payments for good credit home buyers to, to subsidize high-risk mortgages. What could go wrong? News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Let me get Ronnie on the program. Hello, Ronnie. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Uh, love listening to you, Dean, when I get a chance. Yeah, I've been in the mortgage business a long time, and they really have flip-flopped this, because before those pricing adjustments that we have for people for credit scores under 680 were higher. So we made them pay for their additional risk. So we've taken all of those off that and put it on to the people who actually do make their mortgage payments. I mean, it's a total flip-flop, just so you understand what's going on. So this is before this new rule? Right. In other words, if you had a credit score below 680, there were pricing adjustments to you that were higher because of your lower credit scores. Right. So they basically removed all those and shifted it over to the people who have good credit scores. I mean, it's a total flip-flop, and I wanted you to understand what was actually going on here, too. No, I, under, well, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm asking, is this before the rule? Are you saying that this is already yes, occurring? This, this, this is before this new rule. That's how it was operating before. For how long has that been operating? Uh, that's been there for years now. That if you have a if lower than 680, they've been offloading those additional risk costs onto people with higher than 680 scores. Now that's what they've done. That's exactly what they're doing. Instead of making the people who are actually riskier pay for their own risk, they're now making those people, they're taking that away from that and putting it on to the people who do make their, who have the better credit score. Okay, I don't understand. Like, I'm not following this because I thought okay, that's, all, I thought that's what this. I've been, uh, no, I, hang on, hang on, Ronnie. I'm asking about the timing because it's uh, like, oh, I, we keep saying. Is, this is, This has just taken place where we've just done this. Before, for the last several years, that's how it has worked. The people with the higher risk paid for their higher Right. Oh, right. Okay. So, right. So this is, this is a new rule. This is, it's something that was not being implemented before this new rule, which is set to take effect on May 1st. That, that's when this right. is starting. It hasn't been happening because, I mean, I was about to lose my mind if you're telling me that because we just bought our house within the last year. And if I'm subsidizing, if I'm paying more in a mortgage right now, if that's what you were getting ready to tell me, that this has already been in place. No, no. Okay. I'm not saying that to you. What I am saying to you, though, is, is that that's already, when they say something goes into place on May 1st, well, the industry had to already start pricing that into the equation because those loans that, loans get done on a 30-day roll. So mm -hmm. if you did a loan at the first of this month, 
you're probably not going to close it until the next month. So that had to already be priced in. So people are already seeing this. Yeah, it says the fee changes go into effect May 1 as part of the F, uh, the Federal Housing Finance Agency's push for affordable yeah. housing. They will affect more mortgages originating at private banks across the country. Uh, the federally-backed home mortgage companies, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, will enact the Loan Level Price Adjustments, or LLPAs. Yeah, LLPA, that's correct. In addition to that, we fought this one off for a few months. They're also going to start impacting people. They're going to start charging more if you have a debt to income over a certain level as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that is uh, something else we've been providing because there's no empirical evidence that we have that these people are riskier because you have a versus a 40 or 45 percent debt to income ratio total. So they're doing a lot of things like that. But I want to also give you something else. Back in 1996, they pushed Fannie and Freddie into doing more and more low income housing. And guess what that led to in, yeah. in, in 2008? Yeah, you had all of the exotic mortgage products. You had the uh, the ninja loans. You had the what the, I heard him refer to as the mirror loans, which were if you could uh, fog a mirror, yeah. they'd yeah. give you a loan. Um, and yeah, that's uh, not going to come back. But you're, right. you're starting to push more and more risk into these agencies to do low to moderate income housing. And I'm not against that, so don't get me wrong on this. I'm just saying. You know, the, you have to spread things out evenly or you lump everything too high onto one side of the scale and it's going to tip over eventually. Right. When you when you promote risk, you are going to get more of it. I mean, it's I don't understand why this is so difficult, especially when people I mean, I, I guess maybe people have forgotten. I remember the collapse in 08. I mean, we like I if you want sort of anecdotal evidence, perfect examples of everything that was wrong with the the, the mortgage and, and real estate industry. Me and Christy, we check all the boxes because like, yeah, we had, like I got one of the uh, 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 seven-year arms. I got an adjustable rate mortgage seven years, but I knew I was selling the house. I was fixing it up and I was going to flip it, right? I wasn't going to keep the house. We ended up then selling the house, getting another one as the market tanked, we 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 go in because we're able to now afford a house because everybody else got so you know underwater. We un, we we buy our house um, and then we sell. And, and as we're selling Christie's that week, that we're closing on like a Thursday, I want to say. And that day is when the bottom fell out. The banks closed, and John McCain was like, "I'm suspending my campaign and going, you know, uh, and I'm uh, I'm going to cancel the Letterman appearance and I'm going to go back to D.C. and try to fix all of this." And we literally now had our closing date stalled and the banks were, were closed. And so we're out of the house and the woman has moved in. And now we're like, that was where we got stuck. So, I mean, it was just awful all the way around, all the way around. And, um, and we ended up becoming a landlord for about 30 days. Um, it was terrible. And that's where we're heading, well, I think. Well, everything is about politics and equity now. And, you know, there's just the FHFA has been in control of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac since 2008, and it was a huge mistake to not ever let them return to the private sector. But they they've never have, and uh, you know they never will now. It's just too far baked into the cake. Right. But we really don't have what I consider a true non-governmental uh, mortgage market anymore. Yeah. I mean, we don't. Ronnie, and, I appreciate uh, that's yeah. what you get. Yeah, I appreciate the call, buddy. Thanks. Take care. Uh, yeah, yeah. Take care. Um, yeah, that was not a lot of fun. Getting ready to close and then have the entire banking system shut down on you. Oh, but we still have to pay the mortgage. I mean, that part didn't shut down. <laughs>
<laughs> that part didn't shut down. News is next.